Welcome once again to the Brattlecast, where the Brattle Bookshop is highlighted and the man himself who runs the shop and owns the shop and has a great team is here, Ken Gloss. You've seen him on television around the country with the Antiques Roadshow. You, of course, hear him on this podcast and many times you might see him uh, floating around with his truck uh, picking up books or dropping people off in estate sales and doing all that kind of stuff. Well, that's that's the re- that's one of the most fun parts about the business <laughs> is it's almost like being Jim Hawkins on Treasure Island every day going out seeing finding things and with the holidays coming up I've been in some houses and I've turned up some Christmas items although Christmas is probably a subject that you could do Podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast, because it is such a huge thing Mm -hmm. in Christian tradition. You can do it from that aspect, from more modern tradition, where it's become sort of the secular holiday, the gifts, the important books, the items that have come in. It's it's not ending, but... uh, I'll keep it to about 15 minutes this time. (laughs) Good enough. Good enough. Well, we always look forward to discussing what it is you actually bring to the studio and sharing that. And of course, if you have follow-up questions, folks, just email Ken at brattlebookshop.com. So let's take a look at what you have. Well, I brought some older books. They're Mm -hmm. beautifully leather-bound. And... Oops. They're That's the one, sound of books being one of them slid presented. out. That's okay. And it's interesting because every one of the one of the iconic books of Christmas is, of course, Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And this is an early edition of the original. Oh. Uh, and what someone did was well, uh, what happens? Dickens came out with that in 1843. It had some color plates by a man named Leach, and he wrote the story. And I mean, like I say, it's gone through movies, it's gone through editions, it's gone through just about everything. And uh, but as happens now, and people are probably familiar with, you put out a best-selling book at Christmas, and what does the publisher say? <laughs> How about another one for next Christmas? Exactly. How about another one? And Dickens actually did a series of five Christmas books over the years. Uh, and But none of them approached the popularity of um, of Christmas Carol. It, I just have to just jump in here. My favorite line from A Christmas Carol, I just opened to page 27. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. That's the great line. It's in every play, movie, TV show. But what's interesting about this, uh, this is gorgeous, by the way, unbelievably beautiful book, is that the pictures, the illustrations, are pretty much the images that we have today of Scrooge, of Fuzzy Wig, of all of them. Yeah, it's, it's well, the, the original. The original. Wow, they stayed with them. This is and incredible. and so what? This is a group of five that are all bound in a uniform leather binding. Actually, for a collector, what they would prefer is having there was a cloth binding on it, and they would actually prefer the cloth binding. But it's a, uh, it's sort of the classic book, and we have collectors who not only collect the first edition of Christmas Carol, which can be expensive, but they collect every edition that you can possibly get. So it's that one one title. They'll go after all the various versions. And there are thousands and (laughs) thousands of them. And literally, I know people who have huge, huge collections. Different illustrators have done it, different uh, formats, different items. And then there's all the sort of 
other items that go with it. The, sometimes you get the little dolls or porcelains or characters or the movies. Mm. And so that's sort of one of the keys of Christmas Carol in uh, Dickens as we know it. Now, one time I bought a huge, huge collection of Dickens books, so probably a few thousand items of different editions, different types, different areas. And one of the things that when I bought it, my father particularly liked and he kept almost up to the time that he died and then he gave it to somebody who he thought would really like it. But it was a letter from the Parker House in Boston on Tremont Street. It was from Charles Dickens on Christmas Eve thanking somebody for sending him some mistletoe. Uh, Dickens made a couple of trips to Boston in the 1840s and the 1860s, and he was like a rock star, literally mm -hmm. like a rock star at the time. But to get a letter of Charles Dickens on Christmas Eve in Boston at the Parker House, that they still have the Dickens room at yes, there. Yes, that's, that's and, correct. And yeah. my father had it for years and years and years, wow. uh, but he had a very, very good friend who had all, always sort of coveted the letter, and my father at the end decided he should have what it. What would a collection like the one you've displayed here in the studio uh, be valued at? A, a collection like the one I have displayed at the studio is probably in the Seven to ten thousand dollar range. Mm. If these had the original bindings and not the beautiful, beautiful leather, they might have been in the ten to twenty thousand mm. range. And if you get the absolute perfect copy of just Christmas Carol, uh, one that actually he gave to somebody and signed, recently sold for seventy five thousand dollars. So you can get that, but then you can collect Christmas Carol editions for. $5, $10, a couple of dollars. You can go to almost anywhere that they might have a book, and there's a chance there might be a Christmas carol there. Is there a, a book that comes in second in the Christmas Well, one of, one, of, one of the ones that I also brought, I brought facsimiles, but The Night Before Christmas is probably one of the other uh, Christmas books that I think everybody sort of knows. You, you just— Start off and, you know, you mentioned it. You this is the, the Clement sleigh. Moore? Clement Moore. Uh, poem. Yeah. Now, you say book. I thought it was just a, a poem. Well, what, what happened was it was a poem. It was first done in Troy, New York uh, in the 1840s. Um, let me see. I have the date down here. It was done um, in uh, 43, mm -hmm. uh, 1823. Ooh. And it was done in a newspaper. And nobody, he didn't sign it. He didn't uh, give his name. And, but it became very, very popular. Fifteen years later was the first time it was ever printed and his name was associated with it. And then it has gone through thousands of printings. And you can do the same thing. You can collect just the night before Christmas. Now, if you want that original Troy, New York newspaper, which is almost impossible to get, one recently sold at $45,000. But it's one of, one of my great loves of that book is, first of all, when you look at Christmas Carol that we talked about before, the images of the characters are pretty well set because they had pretty good images mm. of what they're supposed to be, what they look like, Victorian England. 
Whereas with Christmas Carol, it was a poem. It wasn't illustrated originally. So you can have all sorts of different ideas and images of what Santa Claus, what the people look like, what the items uh, should be. And quite honestly, uh, the Santa Claus as we know it, going down the chimney, the jolly with the big beard, he was more a creation of a man named Thomas Nast. Right, the Coca-Cola it, guy. It, not was quite, it Coke? No, 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 no. Oh, no. previous to Coke, Pre- right. It he, was it was Coca-Cola that did that huge ad campaign. Yeah, and they made it famous. Right. But Thomas Nast right. was the 1860s, 70s. Right. And what he was famous for was political cartoons, the Tammany Hall and mm-hmm. all of that. But um, you can get hundreds of different editions. And one of the things that sort of is a personal memory for me on um, on the night before Christmas is I used to read it every Christmas Eve to my daughters. Uh, my older daughter, who's now in her mid-30s, my younger daughter, who's a, young, a, a few years younger, in her early 30s, but I would read to them every Christmas. But not only did I have to read it, I had to read the same edition of it every time. So we have this one edition that we have at home of the night before Christmas. And my daughter, who's 35, I still have to read it to her. I still have to read it from the same book. Now, she's married. Her husband's from Texas. Occasionally, in Christmas time, they go down to Texas to be with his family. I have it on YouTube. <laughs> or I do it on FaceTime. You do it on FaceTime. But, you know, that's the book I use for that isn't terribly valuable. Mm-hmm. It isn't one of the more value, high-priced editions. But to my daughters and to me, that's probably one of the most valuable editions that that ever were done. And that's one of the things about collecting. It's not always the money, the price. It's the sentiment. It's the memories. It's what it brings back. No question, uh, as you were saying, that I I have fond memories of reciting the poem uh, with various orchestras, including the Boston Pops behind me. It's quite a it's quite an awesome uh, responsibility to do that to an audience. With an audience, but it's so much fun. And, you know, you mentioned Nast. That was in the 1860s, right? And, in 70s, yeah. Yeah, so that would have been – it's likely that he was very familiar with the poem, as many people were. And that image of Santa being rotund and jolly and rosy And on the roof going down the, roof, the that's, chimney. That makes perfect sense. That somebody a- absolutely. Picked up on and, and that's – now, the other thing is I've just mentioned a few of the iconic books that people would think of sort of more Victorian. But – the Scrooge, you know, Scrooge who stole Christmas. I mean, you know, the Grinch. it's the Grinch who stole Christmas. I mean, right. you know, the Grinch that stole Christmas. That's, a, a, you know, a famous book too, Dr. Seuss. And that, that's collectible. You can, you know, get very collectible editions of it and you can get the editions you read. But there's probably a million different Christmas books. I think a lot of authors who are very famous They'll sometimes put out a children's book at Christmas time, or there's one that uh, someone who's not even a, a fiction writer will come and put out, or there's Christmas with this person, or Christmas with that person, Christmas with Sinatra. I just saw this hmm. morning. Uh, so when you're into the collecting of Christmas, you can go almost any place, area, field you want. Actually, one of the things that I find most fascinating. Uh, I didn't have one to bring with me, but a lot of the department stores put out special Christmas carols, uh, Christmas uh, catalogs, I mean. Mm. And so you can have um, 
you can have Jordan Marsh, which some people now still remember, or Macy's or Bloomingdale's and so on, and see what was available to buy. Um, and, you know, you sort of look through the old catalog and you see the Christmas clothes of 20, 30, 50, 70 years ago. That's a lot of fun. I almost forgot another big collectible Christmas book, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Ah, and, yes. And you can get Gene Autry singing in the background if you want. <laughs> but, but, you know, the thing is, even mentioning that, you smile, you laugh, you have fun with it. And that's a lot of what's collected. How about is. the uh, the the greeting card that was the inspiration for "It's a Wonderful Life"? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I I don't have a copy of that. I brought I brought some greeting cards and again postcards. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a wonderful life. I mean, that's that's a Christmas classic. Uh, and a lot of people, what they don't realize, uh, if they're Sesame Street fans, do you know where Bert and Ernie came from? Well, that's debatable. I know you're talking about the cab driver and the cop in the cop, It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. I, but but even if it's not true, I'd like to believe it is. Well, it, it's, <laughs> it, it, but, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and here's a Christmas card. And I had a whole series, but I just brought one. And it shows Santa Claus in essentially probably a Model T or that mm. that style and era. I have a whole collection at the store of Christmas cards, beautifully colored, beautifully done, turn of the century, of Chris, of Santa delivering in airplanes, in hot air balloons, on trains, on uh, automobiles, sort of blending the, the old with the new, and it's a lot of fun. This one, by the way, the one you handed me is in a foreign language in the back. Yeah, well, you... Uh, they're from all postcard. over the world. Yeah, they, they, uh, well, Christmas is not... No, it's uh, not only here. It's not know. only here. So, again, it, the holidays just sort of bring out the fun. And, it, and I was just trying to give a few little examples of what you can go and if you're collecting, if you're coming into old stores. You know, also, too... Books, old books, new books make great Christmas presents, too. Absolutely. That's another, that's another whole aspect <laughs> of things. Well, I'm glad I was able to read Bah Humbug in the original Dickens version. And uh, what a treat that is. And so many great stu uh, things to talk about during the holiday season. But to think about what people have read and how they've progressed in their cookbooks through the seasons and the catalogs, that's where the history is. That's it's where a lot of the so history much. is. And, of course, with... Uh, Christmas, you can also get into literally the religious origins, right. uh, St. Nicholas, uh, how over the years, the Christmas trees, the greeting cards, every one of those is a collectible area. Maybe it's even fun. fruitcakes, you never know. Yeah, well, no, I, I, the, the plum pudding. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, you're making me hungry again. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time on the Brattlecast.